Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So this uh, podcast, this video today is going to be pretty similar to a lot of the other ones that I've done in the past that kind of revolve around the economy. And and to some, you know, I imagine that might seem a little weird because uh, this is the Silver Fortune channel. I do talk a lot about precious metals. And, and there's a variety of reasons for why that's the case. Um, and yet, you know, I think what's going on in the economy is just as, if not even more important than all this precious metals talk because of the influence that it will and already has had over the precious metals markets, how it will influence your own financial future, whether that be uh, your, your own investment portfolio, whether or not you keep your job, your house, uh, whether or not your, your pension fund uh, exists, you know, 10 years from now. So, so all this talk about the, the economy uh, is, is, I think, really important to, to understand if you are a precious metals investor. If you're, even if you're not, you know, the economy and, and, and some of these events that are going on and, and just kind of the, the, the phoniness of, of, of things, whether it be, um, uh, things like the stock market or the, or the bond market, which is, which is even, I think, bigger, uh, amounts of distortion than, than the stock market, uh, or, or government policies, uh, federal reserve policy, central bank policies. Um, this is something that the average person just doesn't pay attention to, doesn't understand. Um, and yet, it's going to have, I think, a huge impact over their lives, even larger than it had, you know, back uh, during the the times of the Great Recession. Pretty soon here, so I want to talk about three uh, kind of major economic pieces of news here today that that I think should be on your radar, uh, and and the overall picture, you know, the overall uh, takeaway from from this this discussion today is that you know there's a lot of reasons, and this has been the case for a while, to be bearish on the global economy and the U.S. economy. There's not a whole lot of reasons to be bullish. So starting off here, number one on the list, uh, this was this was uh, data that that just came in very recently, or was released very recently regarding the U.S. economy, namely uh, retail sale, sales in December. Now it is like the middle of February, actually Valentine's Day right now, and so you know that's that's quite a while past December. But of course there was a government shutdown, and so a lot of this data was uh, delayed. And and you know basically uh, without going into the the numbers, the the detailed numbers on this retail report. It was pretty bad. It was maybe one of the worst. I think one, the second worst print. You know, maybe that's print versus expected, or I don't know exactly how they calculate that. Second worst, uh, the the worst being two thousand eight, and and you know, interestingly, this is actually something I talked about uh, about two months ago now, actually, uh, almost two months ago. So December fifteenth, I actually put out a video titled "Don't Underestimate These Three Things in Two Thousand Nineteen," and one of the things I had on that list was uh, retail 
and, and how it could be affected by sort of a reverse wealth effect. Uh, wealth effect being, uh, let's keep asset prices like real estate or the stock market high in order to encourage more more uh, spending and, and more t- consumers taking on more debt because they feel that their financial picture is, is looking up because you know their stock portfolios is up on the year, up on the month. Well, the reverse of that would be well what we experienced in the second half of, or certainly the fourth quarter of 2018 very poor stock market performance. And now we're finally realizing that, hey, that had an effect on things like consumption. And of course, our economy, I think I remember hearing this quote, something like 70% of our economy is driven by consumption. And so the importance of this retail number cannot be uh, overstated. Uh, and, and you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where it is in January. But, you know, I, 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 I we're two months out here and I'm finally kind of being, I guess, vindicated. You know, I, I remember some even commented, one of the top comments was, you know, saying, you know, this is nonsense. Uh, he says, total nonsense. Most retail and stocks are in managed accounts and for retirement, or in other words, the long haul. No one goes out and picks up consumption because the value rises, nor cut back if prices fall. Because again, they're looking long term. Retail directly in markets is still below 50% from reaching their peak in 2008-2009. So I, I don't know what he was talking about there in, in terms of retail, but I'm talking about retail sales. And and I think that has had a huge effect on, on demand, how the stock market's performed because of, of how it affects people's perception of, of the overall economy. If, if the stock market can be kept up, if unemployment looks like it's low, if inflation's not too out of control, uh, at least officially, people think the economy's doing well and and they act uh, accordingly. Uh, the second thing on this list that I wanted to talk about was another piece of news that came out, uh, I think, earlier this week. Uh, a record amount of, of individuals are currently... Uh, missing payments on on car loans. Uh, I think it is a record amount being something like 7 million Americans are currently, or U.S. citizens at least, are, are currently, U.S. residents, are, are currently uh, behind on, on their car payments. And I don't remember what the criteria was. This was 90 days, 60 days, 30 days behind. Um, but delinquent um, on, on their, their their auto loans. And, and you know, this really goes back to, to I think, a really crucial a piece of of understanding uh, debt and and debt bubbles and and when they start to matter because you know for years many people including myself have documented what many have called the everything bubble and it goes beyond just asset prices like the stock market the bond market real estate market etc it goes into debt bubbles as well and of course maybe the the most well known is is the US sovereign debt but there's also debt bubbles in in corporate debt and in consumer debt as well uh a student loan debt which i'm unfortunately very familiar with uh auto loan debt uh, mortgage debt credit card debt etc you know all of those things are are uh, what you'd call credit bubbles or or, or debt bubbles uh and they have been well documented over the years and yet you haven't really seen all of them blow up. Maybe in some fringe areas, like like junk bonds or something like that, in the fourth quarter of last year. But you haven't seen you know mass defaults on credit cards and mortgages, etc. Yet, and, and this really goes back to to when does debt matter? Does debt matter as it's rising? Yeah, it absolutely does. It's just that people won't pay attention to it until people start to default, people start to become delinquent on mortgages, on auto loans, etc. That's when it starts to matter. And so 
ultimately, what causes debt to matter? It's rising rates, which in turn causes increased payment. It's you know falling prices of assets, especially things like mortgages, uh, and of course it's it's other types of economic distress. Uh, people that are losing their jobs, uh, they're they're having their hours reduced, or uh, their their salaries are just not keeping up with uh, inflation as well as the growing amount of debt. That's what makes debt matter, and I think we're finally getting the picture here that that you know in, in the last couple of months, last six months, debt has begun to matter. Whether it's junk bonds, whether it's it's auto loans, like this auto loan bubble has been growing for for many many years, yet it's only starting to potentially pop now as those other factors come into play. Really important to understand, um, especially you know if if you were paying attention to people you know, three years ago talking about this debt bubble. Um, yeah, it was a debt bubble back then, but obviously it hasn't mattered a ton here in the United States yet. You know, same thing goes for like emerging markets in this, uh, especially around the middle in the second half of 2018, uh, emerging markets, uh, kind of went into crisis mode. And a lot of it was because of a foreign, uh, currency, uh, denominated debt dollars or euros, a lot of dollar denominated debt. And this had been a bubble that had been growing for a long time and yet it didn't really begin to matter until rates started to rise or appear to matter, I should say, until rates started to rise until the dollar strengthened significantly. And then it it, it was kind of a, a, a feedback loop that that uh, downward spiral in a lot of these emerging markets for quite a while there. Uh, so that's something important to understand. You know, the final thing that I want to talk about uh, overall uh, in the same path of talking about economies is is Europe. You know, I've said for a while now that in terms of global economies, there's not a whole lot of bright spots right now. The U.S. economy, especially with this recent retail, in fact, I saw this recent retail print, uh, U.S. economy quarter four, we're looking at maybe in the low 1% range, which is not very good. Uh, But then, you know, elsewhere you have things like the Chinese economy, which has obviously been struggling struggling for like a year now. uh, and, And that's obviously a big driver of, of global growth. And without that, uh, the, the global economy is in a bad place because then you're going to see the, uh, the dominoes start to fall, uh, Australia, Canada, Europe, uh, US, etc. Uh, but then you, you also have US in bad position. And Europe, Europe, we got recent economic data out of Italy. This was a week or two ago. They had officially slipped into recession. It was a you know minor recession. We're not talking negative 5% growth. It's like negative 0.1 or 0.2% GDP growth. Recession, nonetheless, and now Germany is is like right on the brink of a recession. Uh, I think they were uh, their last print was like zero, you know, even uh, in terms of GDP growth, which is you know very well could be revised uh, into a recession. And and you know when you really think about it, uh, we're, we're talking about Italy and and Germany. Germany is supposed to be kind of the powerhouse, the the heart of the European economy and of the EU. But but when you think of what are the biggest economies? in Europe right now. Obviously, you have Germany, you have the UK, you have France, and you have Italy. And, and maybe there's some other ones. I don't have the exact list in front of me of what's the largest. You know, I don't know where the, the Scandinavian economies are on that list or the Spanish economy. But certainly those are four of the, you know, I would, I would assume that all four of those are in the top 10 largest economies in Europe. And they're all dealing with, with major problems right now. So Germany uh, has has been in, in a slump lately. Um, for for a variety of reasons, and and you know I'm not as familiar with the European uh, economics or, or the economic situation as the U.S., so I'm not going to pretend to be familiar with all the reasons for their decline. But 
you have problems there. You have problems in Italy, obviously, as I just said, plus a lot of political problems in Italy uh, with, with their continuous, uh, continuing uh, populist movement and, and, and some of the, uh, well, basically, they're stirring the pot in, in a variety of ways. Um, and, and then in France, you have the ongoing yellow vest protests, which have been extremely persistent. I mean, we're, we're talking, this started like three, four months ago. And, you know, every Saturday, they're on the streets protesting. And, and you know, this is some serious momentum. I, it's not too often that you see protest movements like this carry momentum for this long. And yet, you know, that, that, that's got to, you got to wonder, when does this really affect uh, France geopolitically and economically? For, for, you know, a variety of reasons. But uh, again, they're not in a good place at all. Uh, yellow vest protests, mass protests on a weekly basis are not conducive for economic growth. Okay. And then finally, you know, the other one on the list is the UK. And, and of course, they're coming up on their big Brexit talk. Is it going to be a hard Brexit? Is it not going to be? You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, again, I'm not going to pretend to to know the details or, or even have a good prediction of of when they're going to leave, is it going to be a hard Brexit, etc. But I can tell you one thing, there's a lot of fear being spread in, in, in the UK about a hard Brexit. Now, uh, unfortunately, maybe there's some truth to that because of the bureaucratic nature of, of global trade and of European trade and, and the trade deals and whatnot. And if they don't get a good deal, then yeah, there could be some repercussions of that. But but certainly people are, are, are making it kind of blown out of proportion, I, I would say. Uh, in 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 the UK, and you got to wonder how much is that going to influence economic growth as well? Because people are going to be worried; they're going to consume less. You know, just like here in the United States, uh, in, in quarter four of two thousand eighteen, consume less, uh, and they're going to take measures to to, to protect themselves financially. Um, and if it is a hard Brexit, that's going to have some real economic consequences. Is it going to be the end of, of the UK? Is it? No, I don't think so, unless we have some other, you know, precipitating factors and, and whatnot. But, but no, I mean, this is bearish, very bearish for for the EU and for the for the European uh, growth. I mean, you you have four of the top economies struggling and all facing very serious issues. Four of the largest economies in the EU uh, or the in Europe plus. The U.S. ongoing struggles, emerging markets—they're—they're—they're uh, they're, they're still dealing with some some ongoing problems. I'm sure, uh, you know, depending on what market we're talking about. China, uh, obviously, the, the the powerhouse of the global economy—they're dealing with their own problems. And and you know what's really stunning about this is that this is in an ex- incredibly uh, when when you look through 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 history, the last fifty years of monetary policy. This is an extremely easy time period in terms of uh, monetary policy. Yeah, you have the, you have the Fed and they've raised rates. They're, they're still well below what I would consider neutral rates, well below what the rates have been raised to uh, during past recoveries. Uh, the balance sheet is still far larger than it has been in the past, even if they're slowly shrinking it through QT. But still relatively easy monetary policy here in the U.S. The EU... Uh, still relatively easy monetary policy. They stopped quantitative easing, but interest rates, I believe, are still around 0%. And, and of course, and for inflation, when you count for inflation, you know, real rates are, are negative in the EU. Uh, in, 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 in Japan, they're slowly tapering their bond purchases. But again, 
QE still is a thing in 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 uh, at the Bank of Japan, and then the People's Bank of China and the overall Chinese government uh, and how they're responding to some economic weakness. They're they're uh, letting this run more than they have in the past, but they still have instituted a ton of easing policies, and yet despite all of that, you know the the global economy is still on the brink, right? A lot of people still predicting a recession later this year. What's wrong? I mean, is is this <laughs> our central banks have have their their massive experiment, their incredibly irresponsible experiment of, of QE and zero or negative interest rate policy. Is that a failure? Yeah, I think this is this is proof that this has been an abject failure because you know what? The Fed, they certainly have not tightened as much as they'd like to and, and they're eventually going to loosen policy. The ECB, they just stopped QE. Who knows? In a year from now, they could be starting it back up again without even raising rates. Certainly nowhere near where they should be in terms of, of, of a neutral, if there's such a thing, a neutral policy. Bank of Japan, same thing. People's Bank of China. I mean, this is incredibly easy. For all this talk about the Fed tightening, which is important, and I think it's a, a big piece of why this has happened, it just goes to show that even that tightening, which is still leading to a relatively easy monetary policy, the global economy can't handle it. U.S. stock market can't handle it. U.S. economy cannot handle any sort of tightening. They need easy money policy. They need that next fix of, of this drug, whether it be debt, credit, low interest rates, uh, easy money as a whole. They need it. And, and you know, that addiction is not going to end well, right? Eventually, they're, they're going to go through some some withdrawals, and, and immediately, they're not going to let it run its course. I'm talking central planners, central banks, governments. They're going to give it the next fix. Fiscal stimulus, central bank stimulus, and uh, of course, uh, fiat currencies are, are going to be uh, uh, the, the, they're going to take the brunt of that. But in the end, as I said, you know, has this experiment been a failure? Yeah, I think it has. And I think this next dose of, of this, this drug is going to be less effective than the last. And it's become apparent to a lot of people that, you know what? Yeah, maybe you saved us over the short term from, from, uh, a total uh, uh, failure of the financial system that maybe had to happen, a lot of deleveraging that had to happen back during the Great Recession. But, you know, this time around, you might not be able to save us, right? Because the more you stimulate the economy, try and stimulate the economy, more debt you create, it's actually going to lead to more economic weakness and currency weakness. So, you know, all the more reason to get into precious metals. For, for me personally, obviously don't take any of this as investment advice. Make these decisions for yourself. Simply my own analysis, my own commentary. But precious metals are, are kind of the hedge against all this because uh, I get it. There's an argument to be made for, for this being more of a deflationary collapse. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, most people would agree that this is probably heading towards an inflationary collapse, that as this is going down, the, the stimulus I'm just talking about here, uh, that's going to be what's ongoing as, as currencies get weaker and weaker. Uh, and, and you're going to see a lot of people, I think, flee from the dollar, from U.S. bonds, from fiat as a whole, government bonds as a whole, uh, and ultimately from, from other uh, sectors, from other investments that are going to be influenced by by this this uh, calamity, uh, equities, real estate, etc. And, you know, one of the main places that they're going to be fleeing is precious metals. There, there's other options as well. Yeah, some real estate might benefit, but precious metals is kind of the big hedge, silver and gold. Uh, you're already seeing central banks, you're already seeing JP Morgan, etc. stack up on metals. Um, that's not the be all end all, but 
Uh, I think you're going to see it from from a lot more uh, institutional investors, retail investors, etc., and and of course governments, uh, pension funds, states. I talked about that yesterday. Uh, it's coming. It's just a, a matter of time, matter of patience. You know where silver and gold are now. I see is still a, a, a buying opportunity far below where they were even a year ago. You got to remember that in the last year we've experienced uh, some level of inflation. So, you know, again, don't take this as, as investment advice or anything, but, but me personally, I like these prices and, and I think uh, they, they present an excellent value. So as always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for, for listening to me rant here for, for going on 20 minutes uh, for, for, for watching this video and, listen to this podcast and God bless.